Welcome to the next episode of The Transformers. And this is our podcast. I did podcast. it in reverse. Oh, God. I did it in reverse. I, I am. Yeah, oh, that's right. I was like, are you are you calling our podcast Transformers? <laughs> no, I was doing it in reverse. I accidentally started to say we were SparkCast and then introduce ourselves like I don't know our own format. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I'm Sean. Chip Chase! Oh, sorry. Charlie. And Thomas. And you're listening to... Sparkcast! Has that ever been your nickname, Charlie? Chip? Uh, yeah, I've gone by Chip once. I've never gone by Chase before, but that's the name I picked out for my kid. Male or female. (laughs) If I ever have a kid, it's gonna be named Chase. That's funny. I've never gone by Chase. How old were you when you were Chip? That's a name that kind of came about when I was about 10. My dad used to call me Chipper, and then it turned into just Chip now. He calls me Chip. Was it because of any kind of behavior or anything like that? Or is just he just wanted to just call you Chip? I think I might have told him to call me that. Like, maybe I wanted to pick out a new, less babyish nickname or something. And... (laughs) So I you probably came home from school one day with the contract that you made up yourself and told your parents, I want to change my name to Chip. You guys have to call me Chip from now on. I mean it. <laughs> a strange perception of myself growing up because I was an only child. I probably thought I was one of the mice from Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers and I needed to have an identity. Well, there's Chip already, but uh, why not have a Chipper too? So. <laughs> Chipper. <laughs> Did it really come from that, or was it just for Chipper being like up and happy? I, my dad said, "Oh, that's that's nice and happy, you know." And he made like an acronym out of it to make me feel happy, <laughs> cheerful, happy, something, something. I was thinking it sounded really squirrel-like and cool, so that's why I wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be a squirrel. <laughs> I only remember my grandfather calling me a nickname, the wrong name on purpose. I would be Sean Anderson, even though that's not my middle name or my last name. He just had a made-up name he used for our middle names for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. So this is Transformers, the Autobot run. I don't know why, but I kept thinking this episode was just okay, even though all the Transformers are there. Um. So, oh, hold on, hold on. We gotta start with the summary. The writer on this episode is Donald Glut again, the guy who wrote the Dinobot episodes. So see our Dinobots, the first episode of the Dinobots podcast for our previous stuff about him. Driving to save the world from the evil Decepticons, the heroic Autobots are led by Optimus Prime. He's more than meets the eye. He's a robot in disguise. For something interesting, Generation 2 had a version of this episode, but for some reason the last two episodes did not for that traitor in Steel City episode. But the Japanese version, for unknown reasons, this is one of the final aired episodes despite not having Skyfire in it. So I couldn't find out any reason why this was aired almost a year later after the previous episode. But the cuts they used in that episode where they cut up the dialogue with Ratchet saying he and Will Jack would stay behind with Huffer, 
and then transforming at the base and then driving to the race. And that was enough to cut all they needed to cut to keep the whole episode. And oddly enough, I didn't know about this earlier in Germany and Germany alone. This was one of 12 episodes that were released as audio cassettes for kids. TF Wiki states, quote, each cassette retold two episodes selected from the first three seasons of the cartoon using dialogue recorded for the German dubs by Polyband, unquote. They featured a narrator and included random packaging art on the cover, sometimes featuring characters that weren't even in the story. And all the sound effects came from Polyband's music library, not from the show itself. And I found out that previously, Transport to Oblivion and Roll for It were the other episodes released this way. I only ever remember, well, aside from that He-Man she one I had that was a cassette of the movie, I think we had a DuckTales tape that was just one of the episodes on tape, and the book was just screenshots from the episode. That's weird. It had a theme song at the beginning of the cassette, but it used all the sound effects and everything from the actual episode. And it might have put a narrator in there just so you weren't completely lost. But I'd have to see if I actually still have that downstairs in my cassette collection or not. Well, that's weak. I had some book and cassette kind of like that where just straight out of the cartoon. And I look back at those and I just think just looking at them, I'm like, this is kind of cheap, man. They didn't really make a new story or anything. It's just straight out of the episode. <laughs> yeah, I know that. Transformers Prime and Animated both did that, where they released books that were just screen caps of the episode itself, and then you didn't have to commission anyone new for art and just make a really quick release for kids, because kids won't recognize, right? Oh, God, my no, Voltron. I literally found the Voltron storybook I had as a kid about the deadly flowers, where they have to go and find a cure for one of the pilots or else they can't form Voltron. And it, it's just screenshots blown up really huge so you can see their vhs quality they were literally cameras taken of television screens that is how bad quality it is no i had this as a kid like i just can't believe i found this at a store i had to buy it and but yeah the pictures wow wow that's real bad (laughs) you can even barely see some of the v-hold at the bottom too that didn't get cropped off Viewmaster was kind of notorious for that, too. Like, some of the Viewmaster reels would be just animation stills. You've seen the same exact one from TV, and easy enough. I guess they just copied the cell or something. (laughs) I mean, at least that would be of a higher quality, though. Yeah. Sometimes they were, like, just something I'd seen before. Sometimes they'd be, like, really crappy drawings, too. They Viewmaster, (laughs) like, had so many different just variations in quality. But I guess anything could be a Viewmaster. <laughs> Who wants to summarize this episode for those oh. listening in the audience? Oh, boy. Can I do half of it? Sure. <laughs> okay, so Spike and uh, Chip think that it would be a great idea to have the Transformers have a race for charity. Imagine that. Of course, the Decepticons are listening, and I guess Ravage Cassette records it all, and Soundwave uh, plays it back to them, and yeah, they form a plan to uh, wreck this race. Well, they're they're also working on this diabolical transfixiator thing, 
I guess it's called the Transfixatron, that is supposed to keep the Transformers from transforming from cars, jets, whatever, back into their normal robot shape. They meet the Transformers at the racetrack, and this thing is totally painless. They don't know they've been hit, and then they can't transform back. They're like, oh my god, what's going on? I can't transform back. And then a whole can of worms opens up with the, the Decepticons taking them back to the base and throwing them in a diabolical crunching machine. I don't know what that thing was, but <laughs> mm-hmm. that's where I was like, oh, it is going on now. It, it's, it's just chaos after that. All the way up until, yeah, we're jumping in the air and catching grenades and it, oh, this episode. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> Well, some of the Autobots scientists had to create an anti-transfixer, uh, free the Autobots, and then they all eventually get free. But, oh no, it's not over because they have Devastator. And so then they got to fight Devastator and use the Transfixatron against him. And then, of course, the Decepticons are like, well, crap, we lost our trump card. Time to retreat. The end. Yep. This was a fast-paced episode, I gotta say. It, there was so much going on in just seconds that it was just like, it was really crammed in there. It's funny you say that, because there's also moments where it's just not a lot happening in between also. Oh, really? I think it's also because different things cut. Like, you have a whole, all this buildup of the race and the Decepticons, you know, futzing around with their technology, and then you have all of them transforming, like, in three different instances throughout the show. And then, of course, even when the main plot's done, it's like, well, we still got Devastator. Time for a Devastator battle. So it's like a lot of little things happening. It's all these off-the-beaten-trail Transformers that (laughs) you haven't seen that often. Like, I guess there was Sunstreaker. um, There was Trail... What's his name? Trail... Whatever, the the VW bus. (laughs) Trail something. Yeah, Trailbreaker. Um, He's the one with the force field. Yeah. We didn't use it this episode. (laughs) And just, I'm like, oh, okay. And then he used Huffer instead of Gears. I guess Gears is on vacation. Yeah. Well, who knows? He's there. He's there racing and fighting with the rest of them. Oh, okay. (laughs) I mean, he didn't actually complain about going to the race because they could only pay five voice actors this episode. And it happened to not be the guy who voice acted Gears. So there you go. I guess Huffer and he argued about it and they decided. Huffer had the better whiny voice this time. I, I, I just imagine them playing rock, paper, scissors for who gets to go to the race, and the loser has to go race. Oh, you know who was in the race? Mirage. And now I'm starting to see why Cliffjumper was trying to throw him under the bus the whole time, because he's just arrogant. What happened to the sweet Mirage in that one episode where he's like, uh, that was just on patrol. I didn't mean to do anything wrong. <laughs> I think it's because this is his element. He's like the fastest car of the Autobots, right? So this oh, is yeah, like, that's right. He's he a is, race car, so yeah, of course he's, he's going to be confident. That's right. He's a Formula One race car, because I had to look it up. I wanted to see what Titanes was, but I think it's Gitanes, and I think it's like... It's actually a French brand of cigarettes or something. <laughs> That's a sponsor. Yeah, yeah but, he's uh, actually based on an actual specific model of a race car, too. It said something about Elf, Ford Elf or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know Formula One. That's a one branch of racing I really don't understand because it's just cars made for racing versus NASCAR, which is like cars that are real cars that you can drive. Kind of kids' go-karts that go really fast with one seat. So go figure. 
<laughs> and parachutes. <laughs> when I first watched this episode, I, I that weapon they're making, the Transfixitron, I'm like, is this the same weapon that they used on top of the pyramid with the crystals? I forgot to look it up before the podcast. I do not remember what that one looked like, but I thought it was also a circle pivot structure machine with a laser out of it. That is very, yes, that is True. a very Decepticon type of weapon. Because wasn't there an episode where Starscream built some kind of gun and he shot it at a mountain or something like that? It was kind of the same setup. It was like, oh, yeah, that, that was that, when they were testing the Energon. Pivots on a stand kind of thing. Even though when Megatron was testing it out to aim it in the sky, he picked up the whole thing, including the stand, and then held it up like a regular gun and pointed it in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, well, I was thinking even Thundercracker flew with the entire thing. I was like, why did you take the stand with you? Don't you exactly. only need the, the laser part? Oh, my God. It was funny. Down their solar capturing machine. I mean, they've made quite a few of those though since like let's harness the power of the sun and then blow everything up but uh yeah it seems like it was a piece on that <laughs> so i actually looked at the advertisements in the race and so one of the first things i saw i was like oh god is that an ad for camel cigarettes i did see that i i saw two cigarette references but hold on but i looked at closer and it said Camel, but it was a cologne bottle. Later, there was an actual cigarette image, but it was a different company called Hokey or something. It said Hockey or Hokey, yeah. um, which I thought was probably, you know how the Japanese always do where they change, you know, one letter in the word. Oh, I mean, honestly, right. they could have done, they could have made it Pokey, but then it has actual cigarettes hanging out of the box, not, yes. you know, biscuit sticks. <laughs> <laughs> also, this is a South Korean animation studio, so hokey or hockey might mean something different in Korean. Oh, okay. Well, the funny thing about it is, I mean, in the 80s, cigarettes were everywhere, and it was, like, <laughs> not uncommon. Like, I used to go to Ryan's family steakhouse, and right in the front room, because they had a smoking room, too, but, like, when you walk mm -hmm. in where the seating is, where you're waiting, there's a cigarette machine. And I used to always go and pull all the knobs and levers just because I was one of those kind of kids. <laughs> I used to do the same thing. I did the exact same thing. What? And yes, they were everywhere, but... Wait, even these, in, wait where did you recently, see these? The cigarette the machines? machines? They, they were everywhere. They were everywhere. Like, I think I remember, I okay, yeah, I do think I remember seeing one or two, but they weren't everywhere. Come on. Yes, no, they, they were. were. Like, they any, were in any... supermarkets. They exactly. Were in Grocery restaurants. stores. Like, they would be right there next wow. to like capsule machines. They were always in Shoney's. They're always in family restaurants. <laughs> and people would smoke in the restaurant, too. There'd be a section that was so, like, stinky with cigarette smoke that you never wanted to sit there. And then you just sit on the other side of the room, literally. And somehow, I don't know if they're blowing extra air through there, but it's not smoky on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> but then in Florida, they, like, outlawed it sometime in the 90s. And cigarettes like people pretty much stopped smoking down south there was like less smokers than ever tobacco dipping used to be a thing way back in the 80s and i saw a guy spitting tobacco from his window like probably in the early 2000s i'm like ew that guy must be from somewhere else i looked and he was from new york I'm like <laughs> figures because nobody chews down here anymore <laughs> nobody dips anymore unless they're like way out in the stick somewhere <laughs> well isn't that when all the stuff started coming out about the stuff they hid and all that thing all the data that they were hiding from research. Didn't that come out in the mid nine early nineties? 
Yeah, I probably had to do something with truth. And I was in this thing called the Smoke Free Class of 2000, which was like some kind of cult that our school added all the kids to. But um, <laughs> like, I literally, I went to some kind of like a big pep rally thing where they gave out free stuff and sang songs. And it was almost like a church retreat or something. When I went home, we'd given them like, you know, little cars, our name and address and stuff. I got like a free comic book that said Sky Shapers. And actually, I wanted to find that free comic book because I thought <laughs> I kept it. But it was just Sky all Shapers? about being... like, yeah, it was called Sky Shapers. <laughs> well, like about shaping the sky by not putting smoke in it. Maybe it was about like Captain Planet style stuff. It looked like Captain Planet and it was all about the environment and don't do drugs and don't smoke. And it was like really preachy. I got Captain America fights the asthma monster in middle school once our school just got all of them. And it was teaching kids <laughs> about asthma. Remember McGruff the crime dog and how you could like mm -hmm. send off for that booklet? See what happens next in the comic book. And the dog's like, what happens? What happens? You got to. <laughs> Give him your address. You can get this Ruff book, Ruff McGruff, kids. Chicago, Illinois, 60652. You'll never forget it. <laughs> oh, my God. What is wrong with this with this uh, ingrained <laughs> childhood number? That's, that's screwed I, up, I've been Thomas. brainwashed. He got me. Him and Smokey the Bear. <laughs> oh, my God. That reminds me, too. I also have a Smokey the Bear comic book that was basically Smokey's origin as the mascot and how he was a bear cub attached to a tree. Oh, God. And a fire deployment took him back to take care of him before they could find out what to do with them. And he ended up being the mascot. A whole record as a kid that was all Smokey Bear. And it told the whole story about him, like, climbing the tree. And I guess his mother died in the fire and a oh. fireman rescued him. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I still have that at my dad's house. I got to find that, like, it God. might be on YouTube already and just, like. Recorded. I don't know. I think they were giving that comic out in elementary school at one of the uh, one of the events that you go to all the time with your family, like the little festival area where they're selling pumpkins and all that stuff. Like I had a record and I had like several books of smoky bear stuff. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> but uh, but back to the images. One thing I thought was hilarious. They have a real product on there. They say Goodyear Tire. That's right. And then later, there's another sign that says New Year Tire, as if they forgot to make it fake and accidentally used a, a real one in one of the backgrounds. <laughs> That's awesome. Because there's also not Pennzoil, but like Zenzoil or something, because they didn't want to use the actual name of the company. Okay, they were in like a Western boomtown. Oh, and yeah. they had like these bougie names for the... Um... <laughs> The actual store. I'm like, Western Towns did not have Sonata number 26. That's that's not a name of a Western thing. Or just a, a building called Cal. <laughs> yeah, there were some weird things back there. I did see Saloon. That's normal. Okay, or Mercantile or, or something like that. But some of them were like modern stuff that just would not be in a Western scene unless that was like a movie set. <laughs> And what about the awesome Western music that plays right as you establish it with the Decepticons meeting there? Twang to twang to twang as we're zooming in. That was hilarious. Oh, man. Maybe this should go under stupid moments. But they asked Bumblebee, feel like racing? And he goes, as long as it's under the speed limit. I'm like, what? What are you talking about, Bumblebee? Yeah, that was a terrible joke. Uh, safe? Okay. I guess that was for Chip. Make sure he doesn't accidentally fly out of the car. <laughs> like he flew into the car. 
What do you mean, flew into the car? Just that awkward scene at the beginning where he just sort of, I don't know, they're, they're getting into Bumblebee and he just gets in wheelchair and all with zero effort. But it looked like he just, I don't know, I just drifted into the car. <laughs> <laughs> There's no other way to describe it. Maybe the insides also transform. Yeah, well, I figured maybe Bumblebee is just really handicap accessible and he has this nice ramp or something. But <laughs> like Spike gets in the one side and just Chip is no problem. Just like he walked the wheelchair in pretty much. Just, man. He's got jump jets on the back of his wheelchair. Yeah. He just, yeah, he just jumps into the car with his wheelchair. That's so strange. He turns forward. He's sideways. He just turns it forward. <laughs> so, Thomas, what do you think of Starscream in the beginning? He's like, oh, this won't work. Megatron's like, well, all right, you're the first guinea pigatron. And, but he's like terrified. He's like, no, Megatron, not on me. And then he just does it. Like, he just submits. I feel like and then they, he, they, then he, they then he were. Transforms. They were noticing how popular Starscream was and how everybody loved him. So they were trying to go out of the way to make him look bad. Because that segment really went on for a really long time, and it was yeah. not anything, you know, fun to watch from Starscream's perspective. I mean, it was just him just being a big baby, just completely weaselly, just like, oh my god. It wasn't entertaining at all for me. Well, and, and it's not even over yet, because then when he gets transformed, he's like, I'm stuck. I can't transform Megatron. He starts whining. Like, yeah, he starts back. crying, begging for Megatron to change him back and all that. Oh my. That was cringeworthy. <laughs> I felt embarrassed for him. Yeah, it was hard to watch because it just went on for so long. Well, is Donald Glut the guy who was like, I loved writing for Starscream because he was so fun to beat up? Or was that the other writer? I think they mentioned that some of the writers like to make beat up on him when they wrote scripts. <laughs> but yeah oh, i have a question for your computer people so at one point he tells starscream that it works now he says transform back to your root mode i'm like root mode is that like like a root command what is a root command like that's like the like because they don't call themselves robot form because they don't see themselves as robots they do call vehicle forms vehicle forms though but I don't know what they call themselves. They don't say go back to Transformer form or go back to De like Decepticon form. But I was like, what does a root in computer language mean? It's basically like home. It's basically where things start. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and originate from. And then, yeah. So okay. I guess they view themselves as like their robot mode is their root mode. And their transformations spring from that. Like they, you know, that's a level different up below. Yeah. That's the base operating system, the, the platform. <laughs> okay, cool. So I actually had an epiphany while I was typing my notes that just came out of the middle of nowhere. I was like, Root. Root is just robot without the B. <laughs> you know, I noticed another technical I think that's issue. just a random coincidence. <laughs> I noticed another technical issue I had. I think it was who sent back the images. I don't know if it was Ironhide. Someone sent back images yeah. to the Transformers and then they had to figure out where it was. Like They had to cross-reference 
Hound to, uses holograms. Oh, it's Hound. Okay. <laughs> which I did not know he could, and, he could teleport holograms like miles away into the base. Yeah, he can't send GPS coordinates? Come on. Like, that would have been so much lighter than sending an entire hologram of, you know, a picture of where he is. Yeah, and also I'm like, like he's never... I thought holograms only appeared around him. Like, can holograms be transmitted through radio waves? Is that how he yeah. got it to them? That was really weird. Yeah. And also, the weirdest thing was he goes, Pachoom! And then it goes, dun -na -na, and rotates around the symbols. Because you're like, what was that random shot? And then you, won't, you don't find out till 10 seconds later what it was when the hologram shows up at the base. It'd be cool. If, it's weird because Root also works, but it also might just be a typo of robot. Yeah, I think that that would both both of those could have be that could explain that both. Yeah, I think yeah, they could have just decided root or robot mode, but then it was just a typo. I could see both of those happening. <laughs> you know, around that same time, when Laserbeak actually returns back to the rest of the Decepticons, and they're all listening to the surveillance tape that he recorded. So basically, Laserbeak plays back the audio where Spike says the Autobots should do the race for charity. If Optimus is okay with it. And then, but Megatron says, stop that. I'll make good use of that info later. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, how are you going to make good use of them deciding to have a charity race? <laughs> it, 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 just, it just didn't make any sense. Like, well, what is that? That's useless information. I thought you were going to say, stop that. This is just a waste of my time. But no, he's like, I'll make good use of that later. And it, I just felt like it kind of, I guess it kind of just gives us a window into how Megatron comes up with his random crazy schemes. <laughs> I think I took that the right way. I, I believe he's just so focused in on getting the Transfixitron going and showing that, yeah, this is going to work. That he's like, oh, well, that's nice to know. I'll go blow up the Transformers later when they do their race. <laughs> is that his way of being nice to laser beak? He doesn't want to hurt his feelings and say, oh, you just wasted my time. You, you were out there hanging out and that's all you brought back. <laughs> but it did help him though. What a coincidence that he's working on this transfixitron that freezes you in your car modes. At the same time, all the Autobots are going to be in their car modes. So yeah, I guess he yeah. could have had a slightly more enthusiastic reaction to that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Perfect news. Perfect. <laughs> and, and, uh, but getting back to the race, I, I wonder if this should be under stupid moments or just how it's told. But according to the plot, Spike is just like, hey, we should run for charity. And Optimus is like, hmm, I like it. And they immediately transform and roll out as if they just arrived to the previous racetrack and are like, hey, everybody, don't leave. We Autobots are here for a charity function. And it's like, you better not leave. We're raising money. And then they just start racing. <laughs> I was like, I, I mean, I assume maybe, you know, Optimus Prime made some calls and set a date for months down the road. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Advertise but, it, get some awareness going. But no, we're just going to show up to this random race and just like, we'll just get whatever we can from this random group of folks. Because they do immediately transform and just move out. They're just like, well, as soon as we say something, the humans will jump, right? Yeah. <laughs> I did like how nobody has time for Huffer's BS. Huffer's like, this is a waste of time, if you ask me. And Braun's like, who asked you, you party pooper? I was like, jeez. That was a good impression. That is exactly what he sounded like. And later even, he's like, I knew it would go wrong. And Braun's like, I'll stick my photo in your auto. And I don't know what, what he's even saying. Wow. I was like, 
uh, they try to make a joke without knowing how to make a joke. He's like, but we're outnumbered. He's like, what's wrong? Your backbone infuser turning yellow? <laughs> I like how everybody just comments on Gears and Huffer's personality defects all the time. And they just don't have time for any of their any of their crap. They seem very unlikable, according to the Autobots. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, why weren't they thrown into the cave? Because the whole episode, I'm thinking like, okay, the Dinobots are gonna come back, right? That cave that you guys have right there, <laughs> you're gonna pull, you're gonna open that up and bring them back out and toss Huffer and Gears in there. Dinobots are probably outside grazing. Optimus doesn't want to disturb them because of how personality dysfunctional they are so he's like oh, don't bother them unless they're already here did they let them free i thought they were still trapped in the the cave well no that was only before they got the better brain implants or whatever right oh they got they did get upgrades okay i don't remember i mean they made the, the other two in the next episode i assume he would have upgraded them i just know they weren't going to dismantle them and shove them in the cave again so Maybe, maybe like, maybe if you try to get them, it's like me, Grimlock, watching sunset. No time for racing. Right. <laughs> oh, one thing I thought was cool was like, I just imagine, I love that Shockwave shows up in this episode. He doesn't have any speaking lines. So it's probably animation blunder. I mean, I see even Blue Streak and Wind Charger show up. They actually are written into the plot. Well, Wind Charger is. Oh, but I, I just imagine really? Shockwave. What? I said, oh, really? That must have been animation. I don't remember him in there. Yeah, he's there at the, in Westertown in the beginning, and he shows up at the race in the beginning, but he doesn't do anything to herd the Autobots. And when we go back to Western Town, he's never there the rest of the time, except maybe when they first get there. I can't remember, but he's never seen attacking or anything as if they realize their mistake later. But I just imagine Shockwave going like, come on, Megatron, I, I got to get out of here. I can't, I can't stand up here. I'm all alone. I'm going crazy. I mean, like Megatron just be like, fine. You can go with us on our next adventure to hurt the Autobots, but you can't say or do anything. You can just watch. Oh my god. No, Shockwave's too loyal of a soldier for Megatron to treat him like that. That had to have been an animation error. (laughs) Uh, Anybody else have anything else they like or dislike? Uh, I think I'm saving some things for stupid moments. (laughs) No, I don't have anything else. Okay, let me see what else I had here. Doot, doot, doot. Oh, yeah. Where did Soundwave get his giant gun? I was like, is this from the action figure? Because it was huge. I've never seen him use that thing before. I don't know if you guys noticed that. No. No. Oh, okay. I think the last note I have is just... Okay, no, two, two... I had three things here. So, I like the design of the Destroyer. I thought that was pretty cool. That the little thing just picks him up and is going to chew up all the Autobots. I like how... Once Devastator's defeated, Megatron's like, we're outnumbered, and Starscream just says, let me guess, we retreat. (laughs) And they retreat. Okay. But uh, Thomas, I think that there's one thing here. Oh yeah, I put down, I hate that there's no shockwave during the final battle. Sad face. So, Cliffjumper was the one Autobot. He stood in front of the mighty Devastator, risking life and limb to take him down. And become the hero of the episode, right? You're going out of your way to give him a bunch of credit that he doesn't deserve. No, he just gets picked up and thrown into a barn. (laughs) (laughs) And he was probably only there because of his bloodthirst. You know that's the truth. I know. 
animation errors that you noticed throughout this episode? know if it was actually an error but there's a part where megatron's hips look really sexy when he's walking like oh, yeah. it's, it's right after like he was firing at the audience during the race <laughs> for some reason like the decepticons are walking along this is one of those moments where if you've seen you know one make of cartoon they use the same shots or something again and again but i was totally seeing like you know the the misfits and Jim and the holograms walking <laughs> when yeah. I saw them walking along. I'm like, they must have used the same shot from something, you know, <laughs> to do that. They just used the same shot left, right, and then repeated it three or four more times to save animation. So it's just the same thing repeating. But yeah. I've seen this a lot. For some reason, I just noticed this on this meme where it's like, haters gonna hate, because I've seen that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> but it's... It's like about 10 minutes in and it's just hilarious. It's like you, you could totally make something out of that. That's totally memeable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Definitely the part with Chip's wheelchair jumping into Bumblebee. That was really weird. That was a strange one. And also towards the beginning, there's a part where for some reason, Megatron looks like he's like 100 feet tall and all the other Decepticons look like they're little. I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to place them in the distance, but something was really wrong with perspective. So we're having that size issue again of what size is anyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that is, that's about all I saw. At first, I didn't think I noticed much, but then I started seeing some more. Let me see here. So, oh, what? Oh, when they're trying to transform, when they're first hit with the laser... They use the same two animation cells for Ironhide trying to transform back and forth. And one has the Autobot symbol and one does not on his front. So it just keeps going, vanish present, vanish present, vanish present for like five seconds. Yeah, the animation that they were using for that back and forth struggling to transform thing, it was kind of bad. Because like some of them, you could just tell this. it was just the slide being duplicated on top of another slide and just sliding it back and forth like the shapes were stretching which they shouldn't do they you know their form stays the same it just moves around in different places it doesn't stretch or anything like that um i didn't like i yeah i didn't like that animation at all yeah well you're gonna just wait till what else i mentioned here so there's a random autobot on teletran one where the animators just decide to make one up for fun but that's almost like an easter egg I did think it was funny how Ratchet, I guess the way they drew his face, he just looked so happy to be working. Uh, there were two star screams in the western town after the Autobots get captured, but that would come back again, because at one point, there's two Thundercrackers in the sky. One Thundercracker teleports away, indicating he's supposed to be Skywarp, but then he appears as Starscream, but talking like Skywarp. Yeah, I did notice that too. <laughs> oh. There was one thing I... I don't know if this is an animation error or if just nobody knows descriptions, but Thundercracker shot his incendiary power at Optimus, and he's like, ah, my front, I can't move. But I was like, two episodes ago, this was interpreted to be a bouncing incendiary like missile that bounced across the trees and everywhere and hit everybody. And now it's just, you know, turned into a liquid, like they weren't sure what his power was supposed to be. <laughs> Oh, but, oh yeah, wait a minute. I mean, I he s- has laser cannons on his arms. 
Yeah, but I could have sworn two episodes ago he shot a rocket out that bounced around the trees and eventually hit Starscream and he couldn't walk straight. So he started bumping into trees. Well, I think they also have missiles as well. Just regular missiles. Because yeah. even in this episode when um, Thundercracker or was it Skywarp and Starscream were chasing after a couple of the Transformers. They were, uh, yeah, it was Ratchet. They were chasing after him and they were firing missiles. Like one guy was firing missiles. The other guy was just using laser blast. So blast somebody was using that does nothing but like kill electronics on the inside of something oh, yeah <laughs> i guess that was just some sort of um, electromagnetic pulse that was like concentrated or something it, you would think it would kill all the electronics not just the comms it was like hey take care of those comms okay zap <laughs> yeah oh yeah did you guys see the part where they're transforming everybody back so some Autobots like glow and transform, but for like Optimus and Windcharger and Ironhide, they're not drawn. They're just the background is blank. And then all of a sudden, boom, a flash and they transform as if the whole first part of them just being present in the scene was never drawn. Yeah, that that sequence is also kind of weird because yeah. they they well, who who was it chipped through the grenade and it landed in a um between four Transformers, but the other half of the Transformers weren't near them. Yet, <laughs> somehow, the, 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 I don't know, the area of effect affected them all the way over where they were. But while they were transitioning through the scenes, the effect they were using for, like, the emanating electromagnetic field, it stayed on that bottom left corner of the screen, even though the animation, the perspective was changing completely between the different shots of all the Transformers now being no. able to transform. I thought that was like also kind of very weird. Oh, was there like a small circle that indicated like it was spreading out to change them back? Well, yeah, it was a small circle that grew. It was a bunch of concentric circles that were yeah. spreading out from a specific spot. Uh, I liked how Devastator transforms by magic instead of, you know, functioning art that transforms into an arm and leg. It just merges to his body and then magically transforms into an arm. They're just like... Uh, episode's almost over. We got to get it out. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. He's a giant robot. Done. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty hasty. <laughs> there was one last one I noticed. It seemed like a lot of the characters, you could tell who they were. But then once they were in vehicle form, I was having some trouble. Because I forgot that Windcharger is red, blue, but he's fully red when he's transformed. But the worst was Blue Streak and Prowl don't look anything like their vehicle modes. They're like gray-white and gray-gray, and you can't even tell they're police cars when they're running around trying to escape the Decepticons in one of the battles. Are you talking about the part where they were getting sunburned on the inside? Someone complained? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I'm just like, I think that's definitely the card's shape. Because I remember him shooting at two, like, almost identical cars together and it was just like okay yeah <laughs> i tried to figure out who that was that was getting shot but <laughs> it was just two gray sports cars <laughs> yeah i just like i i got conf i keep kept not being able to tell who wind charger and sideswipe were because they were just both bright red cars drawn almost the same and the same with prowl blue streak not designed to their actual specs because you can't even tell they're police cars the way they drew them oh all right but any more from you thomas for animation error nope all right up so apparently there's an audio error i was scanning the tf wiki site before 
we started recording and it actually says that one of the commercial bumpers accidentally uses the gi joe music in it but i watched the japanese episode just before we recorded too and i did not hear that when i tried to focus on it so maybe it is actually in the the rhino dvd or shout dvd and i just didn't notice it but i don't know if any of you guys noticed that i didn't notice any audio change i didn't i feel like there was usually only one bumper in an episode but this one had two yeah there's there's always four there's advertising and now we return at the third mark and then the two-thirds mark because there's two sets of commercials oh okay oh okay i thought it was always just the two like you know we're taking a break and we're back that was always like the midway point you know, sometimes they would be at the very end, basically like the show's over or, and then come back to credits. Really? I've seen that before. I don't think I've like, paying attention to that. I thought it was like, I'm just that saying. That was very cartoon. early on. That was like the very beginning of the show. Ever since I've grown up, I've always known cartoons. They advertise at the 10 and 20 minute mark. So it's always split up into thirds. Yep. And that's the way my brain is to always think that's how television is forever. Unless you're... God, what's that? Um, what was that network that used to play Saved by the Bell all the time when I was in high school? Because my sisters watched it. For some reason, shows started at 10 after the hour and 40 minutes after the hour. You're talking about one Saturday morning on ABC. No, 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 no. This is a whole okay. network where every TBS? single show. Is it TBS? Okay. Where, I don't know if that's the station, but I do remember Saved by the Bell being on TBS a yeah, lot. So maybe it was TBS because oh, okay. there was one network that for years, their times for everything was 710 and 740 was when everything started. Always to give you enough time to not be late for your shows, I guess. I have no clue. Okay. Like, I can that- tell you're not a wrestling fan because that's a regular thing with wrestling where when they end is always never consistent. So the show afterwards always starts at a random time. Like Disney's one Saturday morning on ABC was intentionally offset to hmm. keep kids from just timing the TV and to have to watch the commercials to get to their shows. And it really made me angry when they switched to that. I was like, ah, I hate this format. This is for, well, first of all, there's a bunch of more, you know, kind of little kid content mixed into it. And then I could never time it. Like before I was like, okay, I wake up at seven. I watch... I don't know, Captain Planet at 10 o'clock, my other favorite show comes on and I'm going to watch Goof Troop and then I'm going to turn off the TV because I don't want to watch Bugs Bunny. But they made it so that you had to watch everything to see the show you wanted to watch. And it was so annoying. What do you mean like watch everything? Like because... Like all all the shows were offset. Nothing started at any like... Oh yeah, because if you wanted to watch the another show, it was too late. It had already been on for a little bit. No, it starts at weird times. Like it'll start okay. at off the hour at some random time. There's a bunch of junk in between and a bunch of people, you know, they put like, you know, little, you you just have to look up one Saturday morning, Disney, and just, you'll see what the format was kind of like with live action bits. And it's like one whole show that you have to watch yeah. to watch. That, the that, that sounds awful for us who are uh, trying to program VCRs record at a certain time. Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I, at that time period, I kind of switched to Fox and then there's, you know, there's good anime on there. Well, for the time we had Escaflone and yeah. tape like, you know, Pokemon, the, the lost episodes of Pokemon. I just totally abandoned ABC at that point. I also remember, this is a little off topic. I remember when I hated how credits 
started becoming in the mid 90s, it would be like the credits would roll and immediately the screen would squish uh, one yes, third of it to the, one third of the credits to the set to the side and two thirds would be next week on this show so that immediately once you saw the preview of next week it immediately started the next episode immediately because they wanted to hook you on the next episode so there were no commercials between the end and beginning of, of them and they just ran longer commercials in the 10 and 20 minute breaks because they wanted you to just be like oh this show's on now i'll just keep watching this now for that like i do remember when they would squish the credits or cut them off really quickly. I'm like, no, I wanted to read that. It's like, you can't read it because they're advertising more cartoons that are coming on. And it, Especially it just, if they had that episode had like a special song at the end or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like Powerpuff yeah. Girls. I never could, I could never get the Powerpuff Girls ending song because they would always squash mm-hmm. it to the side and start talking about another cartoon over it. it was like, All right. <laughs> My favorite was always the local commercials where... God, this is even way off topic. Where it'd be like, <laughs> so-and-so is stabbed, but can they make it to the hospital in time? On the next, Renegade. And I'm like, wow, okay, happy voice. That plot was very serious, yeah. but okay. <laughs> like, the, like, it would be the same, same trailer It wouldn't voice. be like the national guy who does everything for the particular network. It would be like some local guy, yeah. Then it would be followed directly <laughs> by the local guy who would tell you the exact time that it was playing, and it would just always contrast <laughs> with the trailer. Next on WOGX, don't forget to catch Gilligan's Island. <laughs> like, McCloud oh faces God. his worst enemy from his past. Can he save his life? And then it's like, on the next, Highlander. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> the night nine i kind of like the local flavor though those are the voices that you recognize i mean i mm-hmm. guess they use some of the same ones it might have been people that were doing the local news or something <laughs> they're all at the same <laughs> studio because the voices sounded the same i guess it was localized for your area yep that sounds like the guy over in ocala telling me the news and the weather and the everything else <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but, well yeah so Next subject. So unfortunately, no deleted audio. We've only got one of those left. But retcons. So not a retcon, but this is the first episode in which the Autobots actually call themselves Transformers. It's now their official name instead of what real world kids call them. Now it's actually in canon that they are the Transformers. Previously... Optimus Prime had glowing red eyes in an episode. Not to be outdone, this time Megatron has glowing red eyes, but now with laser beams. <laughs> yeah. They should have been glowing in red the whole time. Is this going to be a trend for the rest of the show? What, that nothing's consistent? Or, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I just feel like they should, they should be red for the rest of the show now. That's a very good look for Megatron. Well, I always like baseball cap Optimus Prime's design since I've been rewatching these, but he doesn't show up very often at all. But I keep oh, wanting God. to like I love I just really love that design. But oh, yes. I already mentioned the uh, Thundercrackers incendiary guns that fired lasers that I could have sworn were bouncing missiles that ricocheted off trees. Maybe that was Skywarp's thing instead. No, and I just don't remember. I don't care enough to look it up now. So on to I'm just gonna say you know what. We're skipping main character and Megatron's energy because there was no energy this time and there was no main character 
in this this episode stuffed with 30 Transformers. Yeah, there was a lot of them in there that we don't normally see. But we are at Starscream's blunders and other stupid moments. Don't tell me what to do. I'm not like the others. I do what I want when I want. Which, you know what? Starscream didn't have a blunder this episode, other than just being an annoying dick to Megatron and whining a lot. But uh, so my, uh, one stupid moment I want to start with in the beginning is, Hey, Chip, let's stand in the grass next to the racing cars and hope they don't wipe out over here, hit, and kill us. They're just not in the stands. They're literally standing right next to the racetrack. The most dangerous place you could be. Like, this needs a warning sign. Kids, never stand you know, NASCAR racing roads when you go to these things. Well, you know, he had special VIP passes to stand where the... Sit in the infield. The, the pit crew guys are. <laughs> <laughs> or there was a conversation like, Gee, Spike, I wish I could be in the stands right now. Yeah, well, you know these aren't OSHA wheelchair compliable, <laughs> compliant, so you gotta right. stay here in the grass and hope you don't die. <laughs> so I had a, weird, a question... Why did Wheeljack, he's trying to create an energy grenade, right? That will spread out some wave that will get them to transforming again. But then he decided to just mix it in with a real grenade. So he's like, get it close enough to them so that it'll work. But don't get it too close that you explode them to bits. Okay. (laughs) I'm just like, what the hell, Wheeljack? Why did you? Oh, was that also part of the concern? No, I made that up because it blew up like a regular grenade when he threw it. I was expecting it to just emanate like radio waves, but no, it blew up in an explosion. Well, I I guess my problem is like, why have it just be some kind of grenade with a timer? Why wouldn't it just be remote activated so that you could actually time it properly? Like, what if if another Autobot wasn't around when you decide to set it off? Were you just going to wait or something? And I, not just do it in the optimal time. It was like, come on, that was uh, that was definitely a weird design. But I guess they decided to do that so they could have their little, um, you know, pass the hot potato thing. <laughs> and they just had the remote activated immobilizer last episode. <laughs> so weird. I like Bumblebee pretending to be smart about the, the energy cloud. He's like, oh, yeah, that's the something mixing with the something something. Then he looks away like... God, I hope they don't realize I'm talking out of my ass. A hundred percent. Yep, that was exactly what I got out of that. <laughs> I mean, it's stupid, but it was definitely funny on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I have two more, but if you guys have anything. Um, well, regarding the grenade that was flying around at the end. I mean... Spike just jumps up and catches it at one point, and for some reason he thinks it's a good idea to throw it over to um, Chip, a.k.a. Stephen Hawking's in the wheelchair. Um, Like, hey, catch this, Chip! We're depending on you! (laughs) And Chip actually stands up and catches it. I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, I I guess his faith was well-placed. He just had courage! Why Why would he throw it to a guy in a wheelchair? And why would he, like, just jump up and catch it out of the air? I mean, geez. <laughs> it's a grenade. Yeah. Did anybody, like, you know, pull the pin yet? Or <laughs> it's like... Charlie, there was a earlier episode where Chip, it, the Autobots are, like, melting by acid rain. And he's like, 
don't give up, guys. As long as you have courage, you can do anything. And they stand up and actually somehow get through the acid rain to save themselves just because they had courage. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just imagining that in this episode, making a stupid video edit where they're like, I can't transform. You don't need to transform if you got courage. <laughs> and he's like, I don't need to be crippled as long as I got courage. And then he catches the football grenade. I also forgot about the part where Chip, once he has a grenade, I mean, he's like trying to save the day in his wheelchair and he like rolls down this cliff and then he's out on the ground and he's like saying something about how we're going to be dead pretty much if we don't. If this oh, doesn't if this work. doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. Um, he's got a smile on his face when he says it. Yeah. Oh, yeah that actually, was kind of like weird. It's like He got tackled by... Um, Ravage Cassette, like Ravage Cassette tackles him and knocks him out of the wheelchair just as he threw the grenade. And then he's like, this doesn't work. We die with a smile on his face. <laughs> yeah, that was that was definitely a weird one. Like, why haven't they why haven't they just given him some all terrain wheelchair or something? Just write in some kind of excuse for how he's able to get around so easily on just a basic wheelchair on all the different types of terrain they're always in, especially the rocky, like desert, like stuff. He just up and he just wheeled himself over a cliff pretty much. So um, I think he's pretty capable. <laughs> like at least add some motors to his wheelchair or something. <laughs> Another weird point was when Sunstreaker felt like he had to jump over all the cars. They're yelling at him that he's not going to make it <laughs> for some reason. And he doesn't. He's like, oh, oh crap, I'm not going to make it. And then Wind Charger uses some kind of beam to, like, levitate him down or something. <laughs> yeah, I, and it's because he didn't listen to Optimus Prime. Optimus formed him, but nobody listens to Daddy Optimus Prime. He's like, well, just let that kid injure himself and he'll learn this lesson that way. I don't even know what sparked that. I'm like, yeah, how are you helping? What is, what are you doing? <laughs> so I had one last stupid thing. It's a three-part <laughs> stupid series of events. One, Megatron orders Soundwave to jam the comms after they've been attacking them for a few minutes. Two, none of the 12 Autobots thought to contact HQ in those few minutes before the radio jam, and then three, once they got to Western Town, Soundwave didn't keep the uh, the jammer in place because Hound was able to send a hologram out to the out to the the base at calling for help. Did anybody notice that there was a restaurant or something in the Western Town called Harry's Bears, spelled B A R E S? <laughs> no, I didn't see that. That sounds so bad <laughs> for a kid's cartoon. And also, mm -hmm. one of the saloons says Liquor Saloon. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. That's just, that's funny. <laughs> What'd you think of the episode overall, Thomas, starting with you? I would probably say this is probably one of the more boring episodes. Hey, it was a waste of time. There wasn't enough gears in the episode. Like, even with all these Transformers and in a Devastator appearance, I just, it was just like, eh, it was just kind of whatever. Like, I ended up not taking a lot of notes on this particular episode. 
The only things I liked was that Shockwave was finally on Earth. <laughs> and then I thought the Destroyer thing at the end was kind of cool. That was going to chop them all up. But that's it. Yeah, it wasn't like it was just a lot of pew, pew, pew at the random cars racing away, basically. I was just so happy to see Trailbreaker. Mm, not. <laughs> <laughs> They're just pulling up like these random Transformers in this that are just like, do does anybody care if these guys are here? They're, they're just like all the filler ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, Devastator was there. He got some screen time. Was that exciting at the end, Thomas? Nope. Okay. It was worth it just to see him throw Cliff Jumper, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Charlie, any last thoughts on this episode? One who is supposed to be known to be invisible, Mirage sure has a too visible presence <laughs> during the race. <laughs> oh, yeah, after he won, he just vanished from the plot, didn't he? Yeah, but he, he well, you know what? There we go. That was a mirage. It there he's living up to his name. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, I, for some reason I thought this was just an okay episode with occasional moments that I liked in it. Yeah, this one I just feel like it was what what was it captivating about it? I don't know. It just had too many characters going on and uh, the plot was kind of dull. Let's have a charity race. Um, well, this isn't the last time we'll see a race in a Transformers story. I think Yay. one of the storybooks and even one of the audio cassettes is about a race. <laughs> so on to character spotlight. Today's character is the final character for all the Generation 1s, Optimus Prime. I want to read this here. His quote what you've known to be associated with, and I can already see, freedom is the right of all sentient beings. And the description on his first action figure, Optimus Prime is the largest, strongest, and wisest of all Autobots, feels his role as the protection of all life, including Earth life, fights unceasingly to defeat the Decepticons, splits into three autonomous modules, Optimus Prime, the brain center known as the Commander, Roller, the Autobot scout car, a spy who operates up to 1,200 miles away. And Autobot headquarters, the combat deck equipped with a versatile mechanical artillery robot. Injury to one module is felt by the other two. Wait, I still function. His fate after the movie, I was just going to do the same thing I did with Megatron last episode. See if I can remember everything that happened to him. Let's see. He dies. He comes back to life as a zombie in season three, only to die again. Uh, then a Quintesson has to bring him back again when all the Decepticons and Autobots are infected with a rage virus. And then, then in the Japanese show, he dies again. Uh, I forget how. Is it because Cybertron explodes? No, because Mega Galvatron survived that. I forget. He somehow dies again. And this time it's so the Headmasters can take over. And then Rodimus is like, I'm leaving. Peace out. I'm going to go explore space because I don't want to be at the Prime again. Now that Optimus is dead again. again. And then uh, for some reason, Optimus shows up, but it's not Optimus. And Master Force, it's like, it's unexplainable for a long time. And they're like, oh, yeah, it was add-on to Optimus that somehow gained its own sentient life force through uh, whatever the plot was for Master Force. <laughs> 
So, and then later, after the cartoons are over, Optimus is brought back to life again during the last storybooks from the last figure line where he comes back to life to fight Super Megatron. And I think somewhere in between there, he like, I don't know, other stuff might happen from mangas. Who knows? All I know is he dies a lot and comes back within just this one continuity. And a fun fact for you, Thomas, for Beast Wars, according to the Beast Wars TV show, after the war, the showrunners originally had written Optimus had become a space explorer after the end of the war. But of course, they never had a place to actually put that in the show itself. So Optimus wasn't their dad? <laughs> no. Wasn't the dad of the Beast Wars, guys? <laughs> the Beast Wars beasts? Uh, his description sounds pretty... They don't really use that injury to one is felt by all pretty much at all in the TV show. I don't ever see his trailer truck getting injured and him going, oh, I felt that while he's fighting somewhere else. Otherwise, the Decepticons would be shooting that all the time to injure him more. Well, yeah, I was going to say, they don't really shoot at it that much anyway. Mm -hmm. And when they do, they miss half the time, like in this episode. Yeah. And, uh, oh yeah, when they were trying to shoot Roller. Yeah. His quote, that has even made it into live-action movies, and even in all the other canon, is probably the most memorable quote from all of the Transformer figures followed by Megatron's Peace Through Tyranny quote. So, yeah, what'd you think of Optimus's death, rebirth, death, rebirth, death, rebirth, death, rebirth in the Generation 1 continuity? I'm sure at one point he gets resurrected by Black Balls. He turns into a five-part, you know, gestalt figure with other people. I don't know if he, like, lived and died through that again, too. Who knows? It gets crazy and... I didn't research. This is just Sean's memory for this one. <laughs> Very comic booky. Yes. Where they can't commit to actually killing off Prime. Oh my god. <laughs> that's Prime what I characters. Like. That's why I like. Uh, I remember talking to my sister. She played Kingdom Hearts three a few months when it came out, and I was like, "Oh yeah, all those people are dead." And she's like, "Sean, nobody dies in Kingdom Hearts." Nobody. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like they all come back somehow. I'm just like, okay, yeah. Even that is like so ridiculous, over the top comic booky that Kingdom Hearts bought, and they treat it so seriously. That's why it's so awesomely amazingly bad that I can't stop watching playing them. But who wants to take some Optimus Prime fun facts? You guys want to alternate between the paragraphs I've written here? Sure. All right, let's, let's learn about Optimus Prime. Denny O'Neill named Optimus Prime before Bob Budensky, uh, I screwed up his name, took over Budiansky. How do you, mm -hmm. how do you pronounce I, that, Sean? I think it's Budiansky or Budiansky. I, um, I always need to check, too. Optimus is Latin for best, whereas the Pax in Orion Pax is Latin for peace. And I'm not mm -hmm. sure that I said that right. That might be Pa. <laughs> it's Orion Pax. That's who Optimus was before he became Optimus. Okay. He was this other machine man before he got restructured. So, Thomas. In Japan, his name is Convoy because in the original Diaclone toy line, he was called Battle Convoy. So Convoy was retained in the Transformers line. It wasn't until the first live-action Transformers movie that he was named Optimus Prime in Japan 
in the movie's Japanese dub and on action figures. You guys want to alternate? So in Japan, Optimus would normally say, I have a good idea. That continues into other continuity versions of Japanese Optimus. Also, what a great catchphrase. <laughs> They'll just put it over one of his other dialogue lines, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> In 1985, an Optimus Prime with Pepsi on his tractor trailer was released. It would be the last time. In 2007, a new version was released that allowed Optimus's trailer to hold your own Pepsi bottle. <laughs> and this isn't the end of other company crossovers. There's also an Optimus that turns into a Nike shoe, also from 2007. One where his trailer turns into an iPod speaker. Three different versions of that across 2007 and 2008. And he's even been an official company's watch and cell phone. Yeah. And then there's also that PlayStation version I remember I mentioned before where he's a PlayStation and a Megatron's a Genesis. <laughs> the Pepsi one is hilarious because it's just a sticker of Pepsi on the already existing mold of Optimus in the 80s, right? Sweet. <laughs> but the two, the 2007 one, you basically put the Pepsi down vertically and it sits on as a as like a scoop area thing that holds Pepsi bottles. It's hilarious. Wow. <laughs> so you could use it to hold any bottle, actually, just to like rest somewhere. But yeah. Originally, Optimus's designer was falling behind. So other Takara designers came in to finish the design, where in the Diaclone line, he looks almost exactly the same as he does in the Transformers figures. Though he had two blue fists that attached to his windows, these windows originally being designed to fit human figures inside before that idea was abandoned before production. His gun was designed oddly so that when on his arm, he cannot lift it to point the gun straight ahead. Ah, uh, sad. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think it's exactly the same, but when I looked at the image, I was like, I can't see anything different between the pre one and then the uh, the actual Transformers release one. And they're probably all minute details that are like eight paragraphs long. But I'm like, you know what? If it's not that obvious, kind of like it looks similar enough. I guess it wouldn't have been as fun to play with if you couldn't actually point the gun. Just have him stand around with it <laughs> yeah in danish his name was primus optimus in canada in the figures he was optimus primo but optimus primus in the cartoons in italian he is simply commander and in hungarian it, it translates to optimus chief in portuguese there are two, three versions which translate to optimus supreme leader optimus and the first optimus and the Taiwanese literally translates to Invincible Iron Ox. <laughs> Face plant. <laughs> and in Ukraine, their translation is basically Optimus the best. That's so Eastern European. <laughs> Those last are the best, like Optimus the best or Invincible Iron Ox. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Megatron still had the best name. What was Optimus that? Optimus the best. <laughs> Big Mega. Big Mega, yeah. Uh, okay. So this next one, it says, oh, so Optimus was originally written into My Little Pony movie script, 
where one of the ponies was supposed to have asked him for help, but then he refuses for some reason. And then they also wrote G.I. Joe's shipwrecked in there being asked to get G.I. Joe's help. And they would have also rejected the pony. But apparently Shipwreck was also supposed to be drunk as well, according to the, the note. But uh, Hasbro told him to remove both cameos from the My Little Pony movie. Like from the <laughs> script. Like they never even got animated. Oh, man, I can't see how that would have worked anyway. <laughs> yeah. Just throw all the Hasbro characters in there. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like My Little Pony watchers would be that interested in G.I. Joe? Well, besides me, maybe. I did watch all of those shows. Um, but, yeah, that, that would have been pretty pretty awkward. <laughs> okay, Optimus originally had a pure gold design from the original mold for the 35th anniversary, but it was canceled. Funnily enough, it would have been on a trophy stand, and you can still transform him on it. However, a rare gold version was made in 2004 for a contest. Only around 10 to 20 are assumed to have been made, as well as a 2018 gold version meant to look like his coloring in the Golden uh, Golden Lagoon episode. Everybody wants their pure gold action figures. The original Beast Wars figure of Optimus Prime was a blue bat. This was because the figures were made to be a continuation of the same war with the same characters before the Beast Wars fiction was finalized. And I wanted to show you guys something. So here is... Is this some kind of like Happy Meal toy or something? No. This, I mean, it's, uh, very, it's very complicated and intricate, so that probably wouldn't... This is too expensive for a Happy Meal. I might just have to go to the wiki page and look at that picture um, really quickly. Which would be no, um, hurry quick. Basically, there are these like little mini ones where in the second image, this is from a line called Coro Q Optimus. You can tell there he doesn't actually transform. So you just clip the trailer around the entire body and boom, you've got an Optimus. So weird. But the design is actually kind of interesting. Like, it actually looks good on both forms. Where'd you post that, Sean? Oh, in the Discord. The second image came first, and then I think later they also made a the first picture I showed you, which is the Q Transformers, which I've shown you guys before, where some of them look really good and some of them look like crap. Like, I have the Rodimus one, which is fun and really blocky, but that one actually has moving pieces that also really do transform. But... I don't know. Those are kind of cool little fun mini ones. I thought I thought you guys might get a kick out of those. Yeah, it looks like his legs are just gone. <laughs> I don't know if that's supposed to be chibi. I don't mm-hmm. think so. Well, or maybe it is, <laughs> but yeah. either he's on his knees or his legs got just crushed and compacted into his body. <laughs> They're stuffed into his feet. Yeah. <laughs> Or what they should have done is just put like telescoping legs so that when you have it in robot form, you just click those out and he's standing at least a little bit taller than that. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like he has a whole lot more moving parts than my Rodimus one, like who just stands still. But then, oh, wait, maybe my Rodimus is the Chrono Q figure and not the actual Q other one. 
for all of that going on with the design, the semi truck doesn't even look like a semi either, though. The semi truck is like really chibi and short too. That's yeah. weird. Thomas, you want to read the next to last paragraph? In 2010, Japan released a completely dead Optimus Prime colored as he was in the movie, but called it Sleep Mode. It included a translucent see-through trailer. A transparent gray, I'm going to turn into Galvatron, Megatron was also released. Here, kids, relive your dead hero. I'm like, ah, what would be the, what's the point of releasing Optimus colored exactly as he is dead in the movie? see a picture of that that sounds pretty cool like translucent well, see-through trailer <laughs> yeah that was 2010 so it was probably selling it to like older folks yeah oh, okay so charlie read this last paragraph to see what other figures have crossed over with transformers okay there exists an optimus colored like an eva from evangelion due to this the tech story crossovers He's also colored like the from Street Fighter X Transformers line. And let's see, in the My Little Pony one, however, he is now a pony painted with his Optimus colors. Ugh, that's awful. Um, <laughs> in addition, <laughs> there's also a Ghostbuster influence design with the Ghostbusters logo on it. I wonder what that looks like. That one actually is a cool design. I was also forgetting the, uh, what's it called? That Star Wars Transformers crossover that happened like 10 or 15 years ago that you showed us on one of the podcasts, Thomas. Cool. I like the Ghostbusters Optimus Prime. That is pretty sweet. <laughs> I want that. Use dead Optimus to go with the uh, Optimus uh, one. And he could be like, you know, hunting himself for her original Optimus. Oh, God. Sleep mode. I want to see it. <laughs> Here's Optimus Pony. Even has an Autobot symbol on his booty. The tail is a different color than the mane. Uh, that's one of those modern ponies, too. It's not quite like... Oh, I was hoping for one of those traditional My Little Ponies. That's more like the, you know, the new ponies that are less cute, more uh, parody ponies. Yeah. The Optimus Prime one is where he's the Ghostbusters. The design of the trailer is pretty cool, but he just, I think it's from the comic book. Or maybe they made the toy first and then put it in the comic. Oh my God, it comes with a Slimer. Yeah, I like that. The Slimer is actually attaches to him. And that was actually pretty cool. (laughs) Oh God, he's got a giant big trap that he can fit in his Optimus hands for hunting bigger ghosts. Right. The Ghostbusters should have got his help from the beginning. <laughs> are they also Hasbro? I didn't realize they were Hasbro. Uh, I don't think so. I think they just made a deal or something. Because they, I do know that the IDW had the license for both properties. That's why they were able to make a crossover. Huh? So I don't know who would have done whatever rights management to make this version of this one. I'm trying to look up some old toys. I can see who actually made it. But here you go. Here is... Dead Optimus, a.k.a. Sleep Mode Optimus. Because you know he's going to come back, so now technically he's not dead. Right? That's kind of cool. Yeah, I like it. It looks cool. Clear uh, or translucent trailer isn't doing what I thought it was going to do for me, though. <laughs> that just doesn't match. It's like a, it's the wrong color of gray. They should have made it like a smoke clear gray. 
I think. Yeah, if they're gonna do that translucent thing, then they should just made all of it like yeah, just or make, make it, all of it. kind of like ethereal, kind of like Optimus half existing, fading away kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. but otherwise, if they're if they're gonna be like the movie, then he should just be all gray. This is a much bigger image. If you click on the picture itself, you can see much more on what what it looks like inside of him, as well as all his items. Yeah, it's cool. It's kind of it is. It definitely is an interesting concept. Yeah, that's it for Optimus. I think he's got a whole like eighty pages of merchandise that I'm like, yeah, I'm not looking through this. I just thought it was interesting how there's a lot of crossover stuff being made lately. I mean, I knew they were doing a lot with the comics the last six, seven years. I didn't realize they were also making like crossover figures other than that one Star Wars one. I'm looking up the Ghostbusters figures, and the funny thing about it, I guess I should look up what toy company made those because they don't have their logo on the packaging. What is up with that? It's usually like really loudly announced that it's Hasbro or it's Mattel or it's whatever, but these don't. That's very strange. Um, here's the last one that I'm like, man, I kind of might want this PlayStation Optimus Prime. <laughs> actually transforms into a PlayStation. Kenner. And why doesn't mm-hmm. Kenner have their logo on there? I would have recognized that. I don't know if they still make toys. <laughs> so that's it, guys. We've actually, through the course of this podcast, gone through every single character introduced in season one of the Transformers in the cartoon, even doing character quotes and descriptions for characters that are in season one, but whose figures weren't released until 1985, like the Insecticons and the Constructicons. Any last words on Optimus Prime? I mean, one day I feel like we should do a whole episode of just Optimus Prime or Megatron or both. I have a question about the hat you were talking about earlier. Now, was this a normal baseball cap or was this more like one of those Ash Ketchum like beer hats or something? <laughs> oh, no, this is the way he's designed by the animation studio. OK, he looks like he's wearing a baseball cap, like a, a, helmet, a, a baseball helmet, like a baseball like... helmet. And I'm kind of oh, okay. like, I, why don't they why didn't they ever make something like that? I'm pretty sure I would have loved that as a kid. But yeah, so. That was it. Optimus Prime, one of my favorite characters growing up. But for now, that's all the Transformers. Next episode, we'll actually have no character spotlight because it's the final season two episode with just the season one cast. So signing out, this is Sean. Yep. And Thomas. Thanks for listening.